Blog Talk Radio. Once again, to Madam Perry Salon. If you're listening live, we're starting a little later tonight, and uh, that's because I had a great show planned for last night, and somehow my mind just skipped a groove on it. Nothing I've ever done before, um, but I'm going to blame it on the amazing amount of glue that I've been huffing in the last week, week and a half, or two weeks, while getting costume ready for. Wild Wild West Con this weekend in uh, Tucson, Arizona. I know you've heard me talk about it. If you follow my social media, you know I've posted about it. But I'm so excited, so I missed that. But my guest graciously appeared, I mean, uh, graciously agreed to come back tonight. Uh, But if we could start an hour later. And I think I like this time a lot. Maybe I should just stick with this. Anyway, um, but he's not here yet. I think he's... um, probably working on some magnificent machine or costume or robot or weapon um, or having uh, pictures made. And you know I'm talking about steampunk author and creator Thomas Williford. So super psyched the show. And um, you know what? He's not here yet. But let me go ahead, too, and tell you about some other things. Um, you know, Daisy Bella has uh, been sponsoring this last month. Uh, they create fun-spirited fashion that inspires confidence in women of all shapes and sizes with positive, uplifting messages and images. So when you purchase a T-shirt or bracelet from Daisy Bella, they pay it forward making donations to the DB Women in Need program, an initiative that supports charities that give women and children the ability to rebuild their lives. And if you go to the website, Daisy, D-A-I-S-Y hyphen Bella, B-E-L-L-A dot com, then they will give to you um, a 20% discount if you put in this code, uh, thank you, just simple T-H-A-N-K-Y-O-U, thank you, and then the number is two and zero, and they will happily, happily give that to you. Now, since my guest isn't here yet, and I'm all in a steampunk state of mind, I think I'm going to play something by, let's see, I usually play um, a few steampunk things lined up here, but I think I'm going to go with, do I have any Valentine Wolf still here? Maybe not. I don't know what happened there. But I do have uh, and a lot of people have asked me for this, is uh, I do have Moses Moe. He was our guest, Moses Moe, guitar player, uh, songwriter for Mother's Finest. And he's got a group out, too, on tour called Moses Moe and the Real Cool Band. And he gave me a couple of songs that I could play right here. So this is Love Ain't Going Nowhere by Moses Moe and the Real Cool Band. Thank you. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love ain't going nowhere. Not at all. Not the way uh, Moses Moe and the real cool band play it. You know what I found out? I also had Frenchie and the Punk. Scott Helen's Frenchie and the Punk. Uh, everybody in Steampunk uh, knows them. If not, you haven't been showing up. Uh, this is called Never End, The Rocket Century. <laughs>
Now that hound took a pounding, astoundedly, 
came back up pounding, confounding me. I dodged, I weaved, I skimmed, I skirted, but the beast had a head. Whenever I turned, I couldn't get free, I couldn't get out. I turned to Watson, go on, get out. I'll keep them busy while you get away. The music lived on, my beats must play. So we clashed, we collided, igniting the spark. The bass, the beast, the beat, the art. This wasn't a beast, but the bass that was beating. You can't beat the bass, or the bass that the bass brings. So I stood tall and I let the beast beat me. The bass started beating. The second that he bit me, you can't kill the pop lock. I'm like Obi Wan, so let the bass drop and pop lock. Pop lock and drop that bass. Run these things into place. Pop, drop and lock it up. Music for the steampunks. Lock and drop that bass Run the machines in the place Pop, drop and lock it up With music for the steampunks Crazy about Pop Lock Holmes I wish I had more of his music to play Pound to the Baskervilles that's such a great song. Uh, everything he does is fun. Now, let's see. I know I just saw, I just passed it. I just passed some uh, Valentine Wolf. I saw them live recently. They were in Atlanta. And they were doing some music from their new CD, which is music based on the poems of... Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to just call look. Okay, Emily Jacobson. And uh, they're magnificent. They really are. So you should check that out. Go see. Uh, and if you ever get a chance to see Valentine Wolf live, it, it's, it's a very different experience. It, they're always good. It's good to hear them play. And it's good to play their records on here, which they very kindly let me do a lot. But if you get the chance to hear them live, that's what you should do. Now, Kelly Dwyer, she's a little bit of everything. And this is a song of hers called, oh, wait, um, I think someone's coming in the door. So we're going to have to wait on Kelly Dwyer. And it's the man that you all know and love, it's the man in whom you are in awe, the the soul-crushing uh Brute force robot building, the luscious leather corset making, Thomas Williford. Oh God, I gotta hire you to be my uh, my you know PR person because because <laughs> I'm sitting here in my pajamas at the moment, you know, and going, oh wow, I, I like that guy. What the hell? Oh, I just saw myself in the mirror. What the hell? <laughs> Well, that guy well, sounds awesome. Well, from that intro on uh, on Steampunked, where you where oh, you yes. you know the little bit they played, and I'll crush you, I'll crush your soul, Okay, well you know I'm an yes, entertainment publicist. That's what I do. So, uh, oh wow! Yeah, I better that's, earn some that's what I do. Oh <laughs> <laughs> mm. no, you seem to be so doing all some. right. How you feeling? Well, hey, ramen tastes much better now than it did in college. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm very much uh, getting ready to travel 
I, on Thursday, I, I will be traveling to Tucson, Arizona for the infamous and one of my favorite events, uh, <clears throat> Wild Wild WestCon. Uh, one of my favorite events, too. And uh, I'll be there as well. And uh, this year, yay, this year, you know, for a third year presenting, a, you helped me uh, two years ago you were on here. And um, James Breen was still trying to nag me into coming and, or force me, and God, I'm glad he did. But uh, he was trying to talk me to come and do something about podcasting. And you said, but you got to have a great name. And so you created something about mastering the wireless over the ether and on and on and thought, okay, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. Thomas Willis <laughs> helped me name the panel. And this year, so I'll do that again, but this year they've asked uh, James Spring, you know, of Creative Play and Podcast Network, they've asked us to do a yeah. joint live broadcast. So, oh, nice. I don't know if that's the same, same time as the, as, a, as the absence tasting is going on. I think that's afterward. But if it's during, I feel like, you know, that we're going to have interesting people wandering in and out talking about Joining us on the air. I think, I think the idea of the of the absence at the same time as publicly broadcasting people's uh, opinions is there's no way this can end badly. I think it's perfect. This is an excellent plan. <laughs> nothing nothing <clears throat> can go wrong. I had a fight with accidents once, and I lost horribly. Um, it, it's just it it it, it, it kicks my butt. <laughs> well, I was in Germany never... and I was walking around. Go oh. on, please. No, 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 no. This is good. You, in Germany, I, was, I ended up in Germany walking around with a toilet seat in my hand for four hours. I have no idea where that seat came from, but evidently, <laughs> I kind of like, I have a toilet seat in my hand. <laughs> I was young. Okay. This was, this well, was long as long, <laughs> how long? What? A couple of years? Mm, mm. About twenty years ago, 20? actually. Oh, that uh, no, was on 1999. So 21 years ago. All right, there you were, yes. just following Prince's directive. Well, yeah. Well, I was say I've never tried it, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I'm hopefully it won't end up in the same way. But um, I'm so excited. Everybody's excited you're going to be there. People have sent me um, questions to ask. And by the way, if you're listening live, and this is uh, March 3rd, 2020, 9:25 p.m. GMT minus five Eastern Standard Time. You got something to say to Thomas Williford? Uh, you can give us a call at six four six seven one six nine nine two two, and that's a toll free call in the continental U.S. six four six seven one six nine nine two two. Or for the people who you know have to be real quiet because they're at a job or something, uh, they usually send a message in to me on Facebook through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Maudet Perry. So. Uh, how long have you been involved in steampunk? I got into steampunk on October 31st, 1988. I know wow. exactly when I did. <clears throat> um, because I was very much into Victoriana. And someone for my birthday, which is the 29th, but we had a party on the 31st, in 1988, gave me a game. 89. And it was uh, steampunk had not the word had not gotten around, and it was called science fiction role playing in a more civilized time. Um, it was made oh, by a guy named Frank yeah. Frank Chadwick, 
and uh, Games Design Workshop, GDW. And it was all about uh, human beings had started exploring space in the 1870s because they came up with this ether propeller and they went to Mars and they went to – our solar system was – had all these livable planets and all this adventure and colonialism and, and all the good stuff and all the bad stuff. And, and it was awesome. I got really into it and nobody would play with me because everyone was playing D and D or magic, the gathering. Um, and, and I was like, well, I want to play, but I held on to it. I loved it. Um, another game came out a little while later called castle Falkenstein, which was, it was the same type of thing, Victorian science fiction, but they added magic and fairies and elves and, and centaurs. So that got to be pretty cool. And then I think a couple of years later, another game came out called Deadlands, which was the Weird West role-playing game with – it was basically like Wild Wild West type stuff. It was brilliant, and it had monsters and, and horror and um, – and there, there were just a series of games that got me into it. And I just, I, I was an early adopter. And then when it got popular in the 2000s, someone said, isn't there this guy who's, who did this? And well, let's ask him if he can make something for us. I said, I said, if you've got money, I've got time. No problem. I'll make you stuff. Um, and that's how, that's, that's, that's the timeline right there. And I've been cruising on that as much as possible since that time. Uh, all right. We can dig it. Well, um, that's magnificent. And uh, I, I, I understand here, it, it, really it really should have come naturally to you because you're a son of a scientist, matter otherwise. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't have accurate or, or uh, reliable data on that. Uh, what I do have, I believe, well, for God's sake, you know, you've got a, a, you've got a Wikipedia page that goes so long it just finally stops at one point and says and numerous <laughs> other awards on one. Um, but you've got degrees in physics, history, and art, so it seems like you were just sort of created for this for from the it, from the time it's you funny hit the because planet. Those, those other deg those degrees, I jokingly call them my useless degrees. The only thing I can do is be a steampunk with all that. Um, it's <clears throat> I can't get a real job. <laughs> Not with those degrees, um, <laughs> but <clears throat> you know how people make that joke. You know, I'm glad I learned trigon. Uh, I'm glad I learned uh, geometry because uh, you know I, I, I I'm going to use the you know the uh, Pythagorean theorem every day. Ha ha ha! I actually do. <laughs> I use all the geometry and physics uh, when I'm making uh, you know robots or armor or even corsetry, I'm using a lot of geometry, a lot of hard science. I use an industrial cutting laser to, to do my leather work and, and even now to cut out patterns because it's so much easier to um, manipulate the patterns on the computer than by hand. And it's been uh, – it's really weird to be able to carve a niche to use my education because it wasn't as valuable, I guess, to the world otherwise. Uh, yeah, I could see. Or, or as my uh, mother introduced me to somebody once who was at a um, 
a woman, I think she was a nurse or something that was speaking at a, a woman's event at her church, and she introduced me to her, and she said, see, and because mine was, you know, journalism, to study public relations, to be an entertainment publicist, and she said, see, Jennifer, this woman has degrees in things where you have to really learn something, not just write stuff down. <laughs> oh. See, oh, that's, that that's, that's crushing. <laughs> hey, oh, girl. no, I, 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 I was going to tell you, but, um. No, so just kind of, I just kind of look at you have to kind of pretend like there's a camera behind you and there's the audience laughing but feeling for you at the same time. So, yeah, you got to kind of think. You know, like you taught me, and by the way, oh, we got a call about to come in already. Um, you know, cause, because that to me is similar to what you said. You know, me thinking, okay, don't don't sit here and feel hurt. Think about the audience. Like you know, this is a TV show and the audience is out there rooting for you and saying, that's okay, keep going. But. I attended one of your panels last year, and you were talking about things like if you're going to make a build a weapon, you know, we think about what you want it to do, how you want it to do that, where you're going to be using it, what 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 is going to be the object of the power or the the use of this weapon, and go on. And you said you know think about all the things that it needs to do before you. Yeah, that's pretty about, much what you said. Think about you? the backstory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who needs it? Um, well, speaking of. Uh, I bet this is, if you don't mind, um, if you could just reach over and pull the um, beaded curtain. I think there's somebody coming in here from Tucson right now. Oh, oh Hey, come on into Madame Perry Salon. Hi there. Hi. This is Terrell. How are you? Um, I am How very you interested. I'm doing well. I'm a little bit hoarse. Hopefully you can understand my speech tonight. I have a very yeah. similar college background to your guest. Um, I call it my degree in unemployment, but uh, yeah. same kind of thing. Well, I have a degree in philosophy and science and whatever I was interested in at the time. Um, I have a, a little bit of a question. One thing that fascinates me about steampunk, I, I was a big fan of the Wild Wild West show when I was growing up, but I kind of came into an interest in steampunk through Sherlock Holmes. I find it very interesting that a lot of Sherlock Holmes fans are also steampunk fans, and I wondered if your guest would like to comment on why he thinks there's that link and if he sees it also. Thomas Telterell. Well, um, well, first of all, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle was a he, – he's written a whole bunch of other stuff. He, wrote, he, he was into um, Victorian mysticism, um, Victorian science. Um, so he put in little things uh, about uh, the sciences of the time. The forensic science that uh, that um, asks, that the character uses is way ahead of the forensic science that was actually being used at the time. So that is its own little bit of steampunk, its own little retrofuturism. It's pushing it forward. Um, he was he was looking at finger marks because fingerprints weren't legally usable yet, but he was still saying, "Hey, you can still see these things." Um, and you know, the analysis of of various types of tobacco ash to see what the person was smoking at the time. Um, nobody really had checked this much, but the character did. And people like uh, Sherlock Holmes is basically Spock. 
if if you want to pull mm. some science fiction into there, the character he is relatively emotionless about things. He occasionally gets a little passionate, but he sits there and he makes all of this highly, you know, his high observations combined with his intellect and ability to put things together. Um, what's called Holmesian deduction, even I've even heard of it called that. Um, so he is he is a science fiction character. And I think that's one of the things that draws people in. They imagine, what would he do with this situation? You know, he, he's, he's there. He's, he's a, uh, what's funny is people of the Victorian era, some of them believed that Sherlock Holmes was a real person. When uh, the Ripper murders were happening, people were petitioning the government to get Sherlock Holmes on the case. And I was wow. like, you know, when you say that now, you're kind of like, what? But again, they didn't exactly have social media to go checking these things. And Snopes was about 180 years out. You know, <laughs> at that point. Okay. Actually, 130 or 40. I hope that helped answer well, your question. Yes, that's, a, that's an excellent answer. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, thanks for calling, Terrell. Good to hear from you. Anything else on your mind? Well, we got him? Okay, no. All right. By the way, I do have – thank you for um, Terrell calling. I do have some questions for you from our friend James Spring. He messaged them in to me. And okay. let me see where I said, you know, he's uh, one of the producers, a host of um, Creative Play and Podcast Network, and he asked – he wants to know, <laughs> ask him about the giant robot he built and what it's like to have his own laser. Now, I think you talked about the giant robot in the, in the, the um, panel I sat in on the presentation, and I believe it um, ended up causing a, a – um, uh, a big, I don't want to say domino, but a big effect from what people saw, what people thought, and what happened. I won't give it away. But so the giant robot, uh, what, how, what it's like to have your own laser, and then he says, he's a cool guy. Oh, thank you. Uh, um, the giant robot, first of all, one of my favorite things. Who doesn't love giant robots? I don't even know anyone. It's giant robots or dinosaurs. You've got to like one of them, and most people like both of them. Um, and I love giant robots. And if you look at the giant robot, if you ever get a picture of it, and I'm going to tell you where to get a picture of it. Um, if you go to a place called Roadside, I'm going to tell you what happens to the giant robot. It was made for an event that is now defunct called the Steampunk World's Fair, and it has changed ownership. It, if you go onto a place called RoadsideAmerica.com and put in Steampunk Robot, It'll tell you where the robot is, and you can see pictures of it. It's now got an enclosure. It's in uh, upstate New York at a resort, and it is a roadside attraction. People travel just to see the giant robot, which the idea that I've made a roadside attraction just tickles me. So I'm just – I think it's the coolest yay thing. Uh, oh, my gosh, it's, yes. <laughs> it should. And if you look at, if you look at the robot – and you look at the toy robots from the 50s and 60s all the way through the 70s, the, what they call blockhead robots. They had this big – the head looked like a block. By the way, I used to collect toy robots. Um, that's why I know this. And how the <laughs> joints were put together and how the body proportions are, you'll notice the giant robot I made is of 
similar proportions and had a similar stance. Um, the feet are wider. Um, on the toy robots, they would have these little wheels in them so that they would only go forward. So if you move the, if the leg shoots forward, the wheel would lock so you could go back. And when, it, when the leg pulls backward, it would push the robot forward. Um, and that little mechanism is contained in each foot. That's why the giant robot I made has these big, wide feet to look like that. Um, <clears throat> and building that ah. robot is enormous fun. There are, if you look at it, you get a chance. I think it's all, it's all black, gold, and red. Um, it also is covered in rivets because steampunk and rivets and Victoriana just go together. It's just so, you know, everything was riveted together because electric welding was in the future. It was really hard, so they riveted things. It has about 4,000 rivets, uh, fake rivets. They're actually carpet tacks. Uh, the, the robot, Ooh. when you look at it, might look like it's made of metal, but the people who bought it could not afford for me to make it of metal. Uh, it would have been several times more expensive. Uh, it's actually plywood covered in masonite and then painted with a textured paint. And then all these rivets hammered in. Each of them takes three hits. So 4,000 rivets times three hits, 12,000 hammer swings to get all of them on there. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, John Henry. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot. Uh, my arm was tired. And a, actually, a bunch of people, um, a bunch of people would come by. I, I'd have build parties where people would come and help me build this. Um, and just holding things, helping. My housemates were so tired of working on this bloody robot. Um, it weighs about half of a ton about 460 kilograms or a thousand pounds roughly wow. and is uh is Ugh. three meters uh, no not three meters five meters or 16 feet tall oh man uh, well, <laughs> having a ro- oh. <laughs> yeah and i'll tell you uh, here's a fun fact about the robot there's a door on the side of the body of the robot, and that's for maintenance. And the, the robot comes apart. You, there's big bolts that hold it together. But you can also climb up inside, and there are these two big bolts sticking up. So you can put your head in the windows of the head and, hand, and your hands on the bolts, and it feels like you're operating a giant mech because I am that much of a nerd. I wanted, to, I wanted a giant robot. I wanted to stand in it like I was marching down the street uh, and – and that, that, that is in there because it was fun. Wow. Oh, we've got another call for you right now. Actually, sure. they've been waiting a little while. So, uh, oh, I think, okay, now if you let, I think you can go ahead and let this person, no, 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 we're, they seem to be enjoying it too. So if you could just uh, let this person in, move over a little bit, and welcome to Madam Perry Salon. You're here with me and Thomas Williford. Hello, how are you doing? Hi there. Doing great. Guess who? <laughs> it's your favorite Polish uh, comic book artist. My favorite Polish oh, right. comic book artist. That must be Peter G. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. What do we have for her, Johnny? <laughs> I don't know. Nice. Okay, so you've been listening to us talk about the, uh, the uh, my God, the gargantuan robot. 
Oh, let me put it to you this way. I'm listening to this. I'm like, oh, this guy probably would have been a hoot in the days of BattleTech. I don't know if you if you ever uh, heard of BattleTech. I have heard of yeah. BattleTech. Um, I, I and I remember RoboTech um, and Star Blazers and you know, oh, which was oh, not giant uh, robots, but I, I watched it when I I would run home from school to watch it because it came on at three thirty, um, and a bunch of the other robot ones. In fact, there's a company called WizKids that made a a, a robot um, figure game, and I ended up with a, mm-hmm. one of every one of those at one point, and so I could sit there and and play giant robots versus giant robots. Um, oh, that was a few uh, years ago. That, well, BattleTech it wasn't quite like that. They had one at Navy Pier in Chicago. Basically, it was a full scale uh, mech combat robot simulator. You actually got into oh, a yeah. cockpit. You had yeah. controls. They had a monitor and stuff, and you, and they split you up into teams. I don't know what happened to it. It went down after a while, but for the day, I mean, this was even 2000. This thing was cutting edge, and that was as good as it got. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember that because I think at the same time they started doing a game called Dactyl Nightmare, which was a the, one of the first – commercially available you could you pay a few bucks and it was a vr game where you put a helmet on and you could go and i would go from the one to the other and you could mm-hmm. go back and forth um at at the christiana mall in delaware i remember why do i remember this that's like a million years ago um but i yeah i i, I remember these games they were an incredible amount of fun do, i i gotta ask do you have steel battalion for the xbox with the giant controller no, I do not. Um, I I don't play a lot of games. Uh, the only game I've been playing lately on the on the Xbox or on PC is Fallout. I've been playing Fallout. Uh, I've played Fallout Three, Fallout New Vegas. I skipped four and started playing Seventy Six. Um, and I have a Fallout Vespa. I took a Vespa and made it look like it's from oh. the game. <gasps> oh yeah, yeah. I'll pictures of that. And it does. Oh, yeah. This thing does like sixty miles an hour too. It's it's not just a a showpiece. <laughs> yeah, New Vegas I think is probably the best one in the series. Yeah, uh, the original Xbox there was a game called Steel Battalion, and it came with a custom controller. This thing had twin sticks. It, you had to actually put it, it on CD. Yes, you, even the eject button was under a flip cover. It, they were after that degree of realism. Yeah, we were talking was, about this yesterday. Uh, I was actually, uh, ha- I think it was yesterday. I was, I was having, um, I, I, I met up with, <clears throat> I got to do something really cool. I got to go to Bethesda Games, which puts out Fallout. I got to actually have mm-hmm. a tour, and a friend, a friend of mine named Josh J is a, a a world builder there. He does incredible work there, and we were talking about that game and the giant controller. And how he was really sad because if you didn't have the original Xbox, it was not forward compatible with any other machine. So you had to mm-hmm. have the old game with the old Xbox, and he said he'd play it today. That if, if it was there, he'd play it. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, there's uh, – the closest I've gotten to anything uh, that much fun was the original Titanfall. I wasn't as big a fan of Titanfall 2, but the original Titanfall was great. I, I saw the game, but I didn't play it. 
we're 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 nerding <laughs> out. Sorry, we're 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 hijacking from the from the steampunk world, going into robots and oh, and sorry. nerding out. Sorry, people. <laughs> oh, Madame Sorry. Harry's Salon is a place of love and adventure and, and information and entertainment. So it all it all works here. But I gotta unless I'm interrupting something and, and you you guys are I know you're such gentlemen you you wouldn't tell me I wish you would. But if not, is there a story? Wasn't there a story about the giant robot in your house and your roommates put it somewhere that it shouldn't be, like outside? Um, my, the issue move the giant. What happened is I started making it in my basement and I realized soon that it would not fit in my basement. So we bought one of those, uh, those, uh, garage tents and we made it outside. Well, eventually we had to assemble it. We made it in sections. If you look, if you go on, uh, if you go on YouTube and look up Thomas Williford, giant robot or steampunk robot, there's actually a stop-motion animation of the robot being assembled. You can actually see how it goes together. Um, And we moved it onto the front porch because there was nowhere else tall enough to put this thing together. 16 feet tall, that's five meters high and quite broad. And uh, when you put a giant (laughs) robot... When you put a giant robot that has flamethrowers and a machine, a Gatling gun on one arm, and, you know, on each, you know, one flamethrower on one of the other, well, when the police showed up, which of course they do, <laughs> when you, they, the police showed up, um, and they go, "Hey there, so what's that?" And I, the police have no sense of humor, but I said, "That's my new security system." Um, they're like, "What?" And, and and they said, well, that Gatling gun's fake, right? I said, oh, yes, and it, it's fake. It's a bunch of tube and all this type of stuff. And they said, and the flamethrowers said, oh, they're real. And I realized that was the wrong thing to say. Cool. Um, <laughs> so I had to correct. I said, bye, bye. Yeah, yeah. They, the, they've been decommissioned. Uh, they were agricultural flame spreaders. They're used for clearing brush. Um, and these things are mostly nobody uses them anymore. You pressurize kerosene and you you light it and you turn a valve and there's no dead man switch. So if you drop one, it just keeps raining, flaming death on everything around it. Uh, but I had decommissioned. The pumps were gone and everything. Uh, all of my neighbors were coming over and going, so, giant robot, huh? Yep, got a giant robot. Okay. And they all pretend to be too cool. Um, but they would stop by and when the police guy came um, suddenly there were like five police cars and everyone's getting their camera out <laughs> because you know he told all of his buddies and so all the police are coming up not thankfully not to arrest me not like last time but uh, to just to take pictures of the giant robot and you know next to the giant robot arresting the giant robot arresting me in front of the giant robot things like that <laughs> Mad scientist arrested, <laughs> you know. <laughs> this is, uh, well, now I need to build a giant robot. Well, if, uh, if you want to talk steampunk, there is something that I'm kind of curious about. I'm wondering if maybe you can explain it. I mean, steampunk is 
everywhere, even even when people don't realize. I mean, you got your giant mech animes and stuff like that, which are which are a lot, you know, have a lot in common with steampunk and that. And yet, you don't see anyone trying to make a steampunk TV series or a movie or something. How is I was, why do you think that I was, pop culture has caught up? I was in a steampunk TV series. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the, the show there was, was actually called Steampunk. Yeah, it was called Steampunk. Oh. It was yeah. Oh. It was a game show in fact. Um it was in 2015. It was put on by Game Show Network and uh by a company called Pink Sneakers was the production company. I was a judge in it. It was a competition show. Uh Kato was in it and Matt King Matt King is the most famous person you've never heard of most of the time. He does loads of voice work. He did incredible voice work in something called Love, Death, and Robots, um, and which is why I, you know, he, it was all about robots there. Uh, but, yeah, it was a very cool uh, TV show, and uh, it was all about making things and building things, building rooms for this steampunk mansion. Um and they've done some movies like Mortal Engines was so steampunk and you know, Wild Wild West was, but it was a flop. Um, I liked Wild Wild West. It just wasn't Wild Wild West. They should have called it generic steampunk mm-hmm. movie. Um, there was actually an anime called Steam Boy, which was as steampunk as I've, you can get. I've seen um, that, yes. And one of the problems with steampunk is it's had some hits and misses so when they present something in Hollywood, I, I know because I've been on some super secret projects where they say, hey, we're going to do a steampunk TV show and, and they, can, they have asked me to consult I can't talk beyond a certain point about them because I signed papers and they'll take away my life um, I know those papers they, well I've signed a lot of yeah. them <laughs> yeah, and what happens is the term steampunk itself has gotten a bad rap. So they go, oh, a steampunk movie is not going to work. And if you called it industrial evolution or if you call it gaslight fantasy, they're like, that sounds cool. Um, and there have been a couple, again, it's a couple of hits and misses. Uh, there was one called Lantern City, which has been in, in pre-development, uh, which is I've been involved with. It's a great idea, um, but nothing's gone forward with it. It's also, you know, people like to dip their toe in it. They see it, and they see it everywhere, but who wants to be the one that puts the, you know, 25 to $170 million down to make it right, to do a good job? Let me ask it's you not- about that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, pardon me. I was wanted oh, to please. ask you, too, because, yeah, in addition to being in so many magazines like Pop, Mac, Wired, Boeing, Boeing, Playboy TV, uh, Playboy TV got your clockwork spider arachne mechanica is in his house in the cosmopolitan hotel in vegas and yeah i put on the description you're a consultant of lantern city which is produced i understand by bruce boxleitner yes but you've also and by the way i'm not going to ask you because peter g knows i have signed so many ndas in the last 24 months working on things here in atlanta I know if I say anything to anybody, they're going to find out somehow. I don't know how, but they will, and they've already threatened me. So I I, I take that seriously. Um, But uh, also, um, you 
been involved with TV shows like uh, on, on TV, like MTV, BBC, but the shows Castle and Oddities. Um, now, Castle, didn't you build something for one of the actors to wear? Um, actually, well, sort of. I, it was already pre-built, but um, Nathan Fillion was wearing a mechanical arm in a, the steampunk episode of of, of uh, Castle, I'm trying Castle. to remember which one it was. I think it was, I think it was episode five series, um, uh, season three or something like that. Um, it's been a long time, so I don't remember. Um, I was drunk that whole time. No, I was not. Actually. Um, <laughs> but Matt. that's the funny. That's he ended up wearing this mechanical arm, uh, a hat, uh, a, a pit helmet, and some stuff that I had made uh, for a really fun scene in there. He he really wanted to. In fact, what happened is I was at San Diego Comic-Con and one of the costume designers for the show, the lady came up to me and said, hey, I love your steampunk stuff. This is great. Uh, where are you from? And I'm like talking myself up and I said, I'm from Pennsylvania. And you could see the color drain out of her face like as if I told her I was actually dead. So I quick as because I'm not as dumb as I look because nobody's that dumb. I said, but I do East, I do West Coast stuff all the time. She said, I said, I'm going to be, I said, I'm going to be in LA next week. My girlfriend at the time is looking at me like I have a crack pipe dangling from my lips because I had not said anything about this before. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to be there Monday. And she calls her boss at Raleigh Studios and says, and then she goes, oh, Sorry, he's not going to be in Monday. I said, oh, I'm going to be there all week. And she looks at me again like her eyes just get wider and her, draw jo- her, her jaw drops. And I'm like, what? And she's like, what the? F-? She's like, beep, 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 beep in the background. Um, and they said, well, okay, here's this. Don't be late. Be there at 11 on Tuesday at Raleigh Studios. And, uh, and she's like, what the? F-? flying beep you know and i'm like hey let's do this and they ended up renting and buying and they bought a bunch of steampunk stuff um nathan fillion's arm another character's arm um all the wait staff were wearing stuff that we made um and they they were so appreciative they some people say ew working for hollywood's terrible these people were so nice they literally mm-hmm. said, hey, do you want to be extras? We will fly you out from the East Coast to be extras on this show. And Sweet. I got to be I got to be on the show. You'll see a guy in a red British officer's outfit looking terribly confused because I was. And that's me. <laughs> and, and I had a blast on there. I got to have lunch with Nathan Fillion and, and some of the other actors, got to talk to them. Everyone was super kind too. No, there were no divas, no unpleasantness at all. Oh, that's nice. That is great. I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you think you think people look at you funny when you say you're from Pennsylvania? Try talking with my accent. But they. Um... Well, yeah, but but Georgia <laughs> is Atlanta is like Hollywood East now. That's great. Oh, no kidding. I mean, I'm I'm working a lot. My husband, when he became semi-retired, I've got him working, you know, game shows and stuff. And uh, as, as an act, I got my dog, one of my corgis, work, and uh, with me on a <laughs> show that I think it's okay to say the name down. I, although I wouldn't say it for a while, Star Girl, 
and uh, because we were we were established uh, uh, residents of the community, townspeople. But um, and you know, there's a TV series I watch called Brokenwood. It's a suspense kind of a crime thing out of out of uh, New Zealand, and they had an episode oh, nice. recently where. People were at a steampunk convention, and somebody gets, of course, murdered. Um, they got blown up in the outhouse, I think. But anyway, it's it's coming around, but you don't want it to, you know, to get in the wrong hands or wrong whatever. Uh, Thomas Peter G. I expect you to put this um, in, into. Uh, a convention. Peter was at C2E2 last weekend. I've been trying to get him to come with me to Wawa Westcon this weekend. I know he can't. But Thomas Fullerford, I know that uh, I've only got a few seconds left. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for all you do. I know people can, I'm telling people where they can go onto your website uh, where they can order things made for you, by you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, BruteForceStudios.com. It goes straight to my Etsy site because my site crashed because I didn't take care of it. Um, But Etsy can handle that that level of of traffic. So, yeah, if they go there, you can message me, even just ask questions. That's fine. Okay. Uh, Somebody else sent a message in, uh, Smithy J. Ritchie. That sounds like a made-up name to me, but you know Smithy Ritchie. I know, Smithy, yes. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just teasing him. And I'm going to read his comment the way it's spelled. Oh, God. Ready? Okay. Okay. Thomas! I can't wait to have the party with you. Okay? Yeah. Did I do it well? Um, anyway, yeah, so I'll, I'll I get all those I heard it in his voice. It was perfect. Okay. Good, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. So, um, uh, if for people who are listening live or they're listening someplace where they can't always write things down, uh, I will be sharing the information, uh, social media, and the website and everything where you can purchase things from Thomas Williford on all of my social media uh, for Madam Perry Salon and Lone Wolf Jen and everything else. And so, I'll make sure that you know how to find Thomas to. Uh, Send your money there. I don't think he's going to make another giant robot for you unless you can really oh, make it worth his while. But you, you, uh, you give me the money, I'll make you a giant robot. I'll make you a tiny robot if you give me the money. I love making robots. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And uh, I just want to say thank you again so much. I'm just counting the days. Peter G., you're going to be sorry you missed this weekend. You really are. You're going to have to join us up. But this has been Matt I, I love you. Thank you.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.